Welcome to the Reality Check Podcast. I'm Zachary Phillips. So before we get into it, I just want to give a massive thank you to everyone who's decided to support me, either through Patreon or through once-off donations or through buying and sharing my books and all of the other ways that you guys have been supporting me. I'm not sure if it'll, and hopefully will, it'll come up on your end, but I'm recording this through a new microphone, which will hopefully cut down the editing time by about three quarters. So what that means is, is that I'll be able to release a bunch more stuff. It'll be far less frustrating and basically the audio quality will improve. So thank you very much. And if you do want to support me, I'll chuck a link down below so you can see the different options that that are there and available. But to everyone that's already done so, thank you so much. I, I wouldn't be here without you. Other than here. The inner storm meets outer calm. A silent fury. Impotent rage not expressed. Other than here. Other than now. The inner fog meets outer clarity. Quiet constriction. Clear thought not expressed. Other than here. Other than now. The inner grime meets outer cleanliness. A mute warning. Functionality not expressed. Other than here. Other than now. So in this poem, other than here, I wanted to sort of highlight the duality that I find myself in. This sort of constant battle between functionality and chaos. Anyone that's had a history of past trauma can probably relate to my sentiments here, that there's this sort of continuous undercurrent of the past that's threatening to sort of wash away or rust or take down from the inside to rot the foundations that we're building up in our lives. And it's almost like a constant battle to to sort of to wipe it down, to reinforce it, to keep it clean. And most of the time, luckily now I'm finding that the functional side, the the responsible side, the the side that's leaning towards health and prosperity and all of those sort of things, the, the good father side, for lack of a better expression, is winning out. But there's always this part of me, or it feels like there's this part of me that's struggles, that's looking for an excuse, that's waiting to jump in, that's always sort of there. You know, the negativity, the the past habits, the the previous mental states, the the depression, the anxiety, the addiction, the the bad thinking habits, the the way that I would model off not so great models of my past. It's always there. And this is what I hope to express with this poem, this inner storm meeting outer calm. Because no matter where I am, there's this sort of feeling that I have to sort of put a cap on it. I have to sort of hide it. I have to to, to fit in, to function, to live a normal life, quote-unquote normal. There's a measure of myself that I need to block off or mute or put away. And for good reason. That, that part of me is, like I said, chaotic, angry, impulsive, irrational, vindictive, victimized. It's, it's, it's the product of a traumatic childhood. But no matter what I do to sort of block it off, to dissociate from it, it's still there. It's still impacting me. And it rears its head in times of stress. 
you know, obviously 2020 has been fairly stressful and it's still proving to be so. But even just general life stress, work stress, all the different things that happen, the more the more pressure that I'm put under, either externally from, you know, real world things or internally from my own ruminations, it becomes quite challenging. And those foundations that I've talked about, the maintenance falls and the rot starts to creep in and then they start to collapse. And what that, ha- what that results in is a drop in functionality. I can't work as much. I struggle with relationships to respond back, to be an active member, to basically to be myself. And, you know, it's this, there's this sort of constant battle between being the person that I want to be and moving away from the person that I was and meeting in that middle ground. And the way that I'm sort of managing that is obviously ongoing mental health management, meditation, exercise, therapy, all of those sort of things. But it's still there. And the main thing that I'm, I'm hoping to express with this poem is, is this concept of the inner fog meeting out of clarity, the, the inner grime meeting out of cleanliness, the inner storm meeting out of calm, that there's things in me that are not expressed. And I should have mentioned it to you before. I will put a link down below so you can read this poem and my little sort of um, author's notes afterwards that it's basically like a summary of this podcast. But I want to know if you've had a traumatic past, if you struggled in childhood, if you struggle with mental illness now, can you relate? Can you relate to this feeling of putting on a facade? And I'm not, I'm not sort of like bitter about having to do so. It's more that it's the inner battle that it's hard to keep up continuously day after day. And there's a couple of responses to it in the sense that it's like, well, maybe I should just be myself. Maybe I should just let it go. Maybe I should relax. Maybe I should just, you know, insert some sort of advice here. But the, the problem is, is I know where that ends up. If I drop the discipline, if I drop the vigilance, I'm fearful that for lack of a better expression, I'll end up like my father. And that's nowhere at all where I want to be. But obviously there's the the other side of things where I do have to learn to relax and let go and sort of be in the moment. So, you know, it's it's neither here nor there with that sort of thing. But I, 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 I want to sort of find that balance, find that middle ground, find where I am now and learn to accept where I am and from that place of acceptance continue to grow. Because, you know, through self-acceptance, we learn the nature of ourselves. And if we learn the nature of ourselves, we can best navigate the world. If I know I struggle in certain areas with certain things at certain times, it's not perfect, but I can at least let the people in my life know. It's like, hey, this is what I am. This is where I'm like. This is, this is how it looks. It's not ideal, but this is my reality. Take it or leave it. And this sort of... This sort of leads into the main part of what I wanted to talk about in this episode. This idea of sort of getting out of your own way, of sort of removing the subjective lens that we look upon the world. So right now, as of recording, we're in the midst of the US election. Um, The results haven't been counted, but it looks like Biden's going to win. And there's a lot of division, a lot of issues, a lot of people, controversy, for lack of a better expression. And it seems by looking online that people can't seem to see 
why someone would support one candidate over the other. And it's, you know, to the extent that if you support this candidate, we're done. Like, leave my life because you're support, you're, you, you therefore, if you support this candidate, you therefore believe X, Y, Z. And I don't support that, therefore I don't support you. And it's very black and white thinking, very global, globalizing, very sort of broad strokes. And what it made me think is that it's, it's quite hard to, to, to sort of step outside yourself and really put yourself in someone else's shoes and see how they see the world. Because there's a reason people support one candidate over another. And I'm using the election as an example, but we can apply this to any moral issue, any, any issue in general. Take religion. Why does one person support or believe one religion over another? Veganism, sexism, any sort of rights-based issue, any sort of, any sort of political issue at all. There's a reason that you will have the views that you have. So what I'm trying to do is step back and remove my own bias. How, how, can, I, how can I see where I'm blind? How can I see where my past, my history, my personality, my upbringing, the, 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 the resources that I'm bringing into play, the, the readings, the podcasts, the contemplations? It's, it's all being filtered through the lens that is Zach, that is me. And unfortunately, no matter what I do, I can't escape that. So then it's like, this, it really becomes like a question of empathy. How can I ever hope to, tr- to truly understand someone else, let alone a populace, let alone you know, anything through my own perspective? Because I can imagine, I could consider it, but I can't truly feel it in a sense. I mean, interestingly, the more I meditate, the more I feel open to feeling, the more I feel open to looking at things from other people's perspectives. But then I sort of do the next step and go, well, perhaps my belief that I'm doing that is biased, or perhaps my ability to do that is itself biased, and perhaps other people can't do it in the same way I can. And in fact, I know that to be true, because if you look at the, you know, different, um, the, the theories of multiple intelligences, it suggests that People are, you know, some people have high levels of linguistic intelligence, some mathematical, some kinesthetic, some interpersonal, some intrapersonal. Now, I would rate myself quite, or not quite high, just relatively high on linguistics and kinesthetic and intrapersonal, as in I'm, I feel quite good at introspection, knowing myself. However, that doesn't necessarily translate to knowing other people. And traditionally, I do struggle interpersonally to, um, you know, as a, as a function of social anxiety, as a function of past trauma and a whole variety of things. So it's like, I might be able to introspect upon myself, but that level of introspection might not be present in other people. And I'm actually, I'm certain it's not. But, you know, my, my, my unique, you know, positives and negatives in terms of those levels of intelligences, you know, the, the way that you would map my, you know, the totalitarian, to, the totality of me onto that theory would map differently to every other person. What you are good at will be different to what I'm good at. And that will cause you to interpret events and see things differently. How you, how you were raised, the religious upbringings that you have, the, the education, the language you speak, it's all, it's almost like a different operating system. It's like 
we're all accessing the internet. You know, the analogy here would be that real life, the people that we're talking to is the internet and we're all accessing that through different operating systems on different devices. You know, we, we roughly, if I, if I access the internet through a, through a Windows device on my mobile phone, that's one experience. But if you're accessing it through a dial-up modem through Linux, right? <laughs> if you're accessing it through a laptop, if you're accessing it through your smartwatch, right? <laughs> if you're interfacing it through a voice communications, your experience of the internet, like we're both in the same place, but your experience of the internet will be vastly different to mine. Not just on the content that you're able to see, but also the way that it's the same information is shown. You know, it's a different experience looking online on your laptop compared to on your iPhone, right? And I can't help but imagine that that's what we're all experiencing here. We're all looking at the world differently. Now, I, <laughs> the thought just popped into my mind. It's like, well, why does any of this matter? Like, like I can hear hear some of you thinking, well, what is this? Why do you even care about this, Zach? And that and that's sort of, I suppose, an example to my point. For whatever reason, this is something that I I I keep coming back to. It irks on me. Now, you might be able to just accept it. It's like, yeah, people are different. So what? I don't know. But the fact that this is an issue for me and maybe not for you is itself interesting. I don't know. Perhaps it's a capacity of why I enjoy writing and reading fiction because you get to see and live through the eyes and the minds of other people. There's this idea that reading itself, if you if you read a book that I've written, if you read a book that anyone's written, you get to see and live through my eyes. Even if it's fiction, the way that I've written the characters, the, the word choices, the, 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 the situations and the morals and the ethics and all of the stuff that I put the characters in is a representation of my experience. And by reading it, you are getting some of that into you. The idea being that if you, you know, someone who doesn't read lives one life, someone who reads lives thousands, but it goes deeper than that. If you read a book that I've written, you're also getting the accumulative experience of all of the books that I've read. So it's sort of like this fractal into eternity where we're all getting this connected, combined experience of humanity. And apply that across a whole variety of different mediums beyond books to podcasts to movies to a whole bunch of connections. I don't know. It's a contemplation that sits with me because it's it sort of comes down to that nature of, well, why are we here? What, what are we? What are we striving towards? Where are we going? Because everyone seems to have such vigorously strong and passionate opinions about stuff that I'm not sure necessarily matters, or it won't matter in the long term. But it's very, very easy to get caught up in this short-term clickbaity game where every issue is the biggest issue in the world. And are we at risk of blindsiding ourselves to the true? joys and the true problems that humanity faces. I don't know. But technology itself is the wild card. If, if you look over history, you see patterns repeating themselves. But the one thing history hasn't had is the internet. Just go back a hundred years, World War One, World War Two, And it's easy to see how countries could get very rallied up, get angry, and sort of other another country, you know, put them down, dehumanize them, and eventually go to war to take their stuff, right? It seems far easier with the less communication you've got. 
But right now, every human, not every human, most, most humans on the planet can communicate with most other humans. That's never happened before. That's unheard of. What, what does that do to us as a species? What does that do to us as individuals? With, with 2020 happening, it's, it's almost like every, yeah, every, every media outlet pushes down this path of you know, wanting views. So how does it do that? It, it stirs up derision. It stirs up angst. It stirs up fear and hate because it gets you to look. Oh, I've got to see the next update. Got to see the next thing that this person said. Got to do the next thing. And then you share it online and then everyone's talking about it. It becomes this massive sort of chain of triggered events. You know, this person says this, this person says this, this person says this. And all of a sudden we've been talking about politics for the last five years, right? Just nonstop. It's never ending. What does that do to the human animal? I don't know. I, I can't tell you the answer to that, but it's unprecedented what that does. I mean, I've never, you know, we've never experienced this as a race, as a species. Even even take away the internet. I was outside doing, just, just, just prior to recording this, doing some yoga, and I chucked some music on. Just innocuous, whatever. I had my son out there, and we are both doing some yoga. And he's, he's going through the music, stews and all the different stuff. And then I realized, I'm like, you know, a hundred years ago, and... For, for, you know, the rest, the, the entire history of our species, the majority of the time we were in silence in the sense that music wasn't just able to be press button played. TVs couldn't just be turned on. People would communicate with the people close to them. But in general, there would be far, far, far more amounts of silence than we're currently getting. What does that do? What does having constant stimulus do to the human animal? I would be guessing, but I would imagine it's probably an increase in anxiety. I mean, there's very little things that happen around the world that, that actually impact my life. But if I'm online all the time, I'm hearing about them all the time and I'm empathizing with them and I'm, I'm struggling. So that's obviously doing something. There's, I know that through meditation and through experimentation that prolonged silence is good for my mental state. That I feel calmer, that I feel more focused, feel more present in the moment. So what does a continuous exposure to even just something as innocuous as music do? Because if you think about it, Every time you hear something, that's that's changing you. It's the very reason you're listening to this podcast. It's the very reason you listen to everything. It's the very reason you do do things online. Like you want to be changed. You listen to a podcast, to music, to watch a YouTube video, all of these sort of things. Talk to someone to change your mental state. That's the point. Even if it is just to not feel so bored right now, you're doing it for a reason. That reason impacts you the question I have is, is and there's not really a precedent, is, is what does it do over the long term? How are we impacted by this whole situation over the long term? I don't know the answer to that. And it's sort of, it's interesting to me. And that brings me back to this idea of stepping outside the subjective nature of myself. What What is it like to be you? I don't know. I, I know what it's like to be me. I'm on this, <laughs> obviously, I'm on this, this, this sort of meditative 
introspective journey of self-discovery that uh, that I hope to share with you in this podcast and my poetry and all the other things I'm doing. That it's like, hey, this is me and I'm working myself out and it's great. But then I can't help but take the next step and be like, well, what's life like for you? We can both see the same event, but you think this about it. I think this about it. Those things are different. How? How are they different? Why are they different? Even even people that have, you know, my brother, my my family, people that I've grew up with, we look at the same event and interpret it differently. What are you seeing that I'm not seeing? What am I seeing that you're not seeing? Why have I gone down this different path? Why am I interpret, interpreting this differently? And And for me, it becomes... Why is everyone so damn passionately angry about everything all the time when I'm simply not? Is this a measure of apathy? Am I, is this a measure of mental illness? Am I, the, am I the odd one here? Am I the one that's, for lack of a better expression, crazy? Because I don't have these really strong, passionate views about how the world should function and how, you know, politics and all of that sort of stuff. Maybe. I don't know, but it's a question that I'm constantly ruminating and thinking down. So, I mean, if you can relate to this, if you can, if you, if you can elaborate, I'm not, I don't really have a question for you other than like, do you get it? Like, do you, do you, are you feeling what I'm saying here? And if, and if you are, please send me, send me a message. Even if it's just something small as like, I get it. Or like, like a, like a, like a paragraphy sort of thing, basically explaining how, how you're experiencing the world or how you're experiencing this this introspective difference of yourself to the world. I don't know. Uh, I just want to end the podcast and basically say say a couple little housekeeping things here. Um, once again, thank you to everyone who's been supporting me. Like I said, hopefully the audio quality of this podcast and everything I do moving forward is increased. Um, I think it will be. So yay, at least it's going to save me a bunch of editing time. Woohoo! <laughs> if you if you want to support what I'm doing here, you can have it, head over to my website at zachary-phillips.com support, and I'll put the link down below, and you can see what you can do. Um, but the best thing you can do is just tell someone about the podcast, tell someone about my work, share a link with them, and say, hey, check this guy out, and start that start that conversation. Because it, it you know starting the conversation around mental health, around connection, around a nuanced discussion, at the very least will be interesting, and at the very best will potentially save someone's life. Because you're saying, hey, you know, if you need to talk about it, I'm here and check this out. Um, I also want to mention that I've restarted my YouTube channel. I'm basically using it as a platform to just answer your questions in depth. I've got a couple of videos up at the moment. And the annoying thing is, is I had, I had about a thousand plus subscribers on my first YouTube channel, but for whatever reason, YouTube kicked me off. Um, I can't access it. those videos and the channel's still up, but I can't access it, I can't delete it, I can't edit it, I can't do anything with it. So I can't access it. So I started a new channel, um, and basically literally all I'm using it for is just responding to your questions, your queries, uh, your requests for content. So I'll be posting infrequently, um, but if you want me to talk about something, shoot me a message, an email, DM on social, whatever, and I'll um, make a video about it. So anyway, thank you for listening and supporting and being there. And given the the tumultuous nature of 2020 and where we're at, let's just all stay safe. Cheers.